Hello, welcome to Adam for Baseball, and I'm your host, Adam. Um, just a weekly fantasy baseball podcast, kind of going over, right now we've been going through the different positions and, and where value is and where, kind of just putting things into tiers a little bit. Um, this week we're going to talk a little bit about catchers, um, and then I'm going to go over a little bit of what I saw in the first draft I did. I did... Um, a 12-team uh, prize league draft in Yahoo. Um, yeah, I have some thoughts about that. Uh, first, I just kind of want to touch on some of the injury-type stuff and just no- news going on. There was a little bit of a hold-your-breath moment with Jordan Walker, the third-base prospect for St. Louis Cardinals. Um, t- what, 20-year-old kid? Very talented. He's not a kid. He's a man. But um, Cardinals were a little, obviously, being cautious. This guy is bound to be a superstar, it looks like. And, uh, yeah, it was he slid into second base, I think. And they basically were like, hey, stop sliding head first. Please learn how to slide with your feet. We don't want to... Uh, we just don't want to deal with these these scary injuries. I get it. I mean, I watch Byron Buxton every week, every day, so during the regular season, and I get it. You hold your breath every time he dives for a ball, every time he crashes into the wall. And these young guys, they're trying to prove themselves, right? They're trying to make a big league squad. Of course, they're going to do everything they can to make that team. And it's hard to say to these young guys who are just revved up as it is, all these professional athletes, they're running hot, man. Um, Tyler Glasnow, um, he's still doing treatment. I'm at oblique strain. This is one of those deals. It's a grade two, so it's not, it's kind of like right in the middle of, of severity. Uh, Hunter, or Harrison Bader, um, had the oblique issue here too recently. So you just don't know that it it's a it's an injury that just you just get so frustrated when one of your players, one of the guys on your team like that you cheer for, and then also even fantasy, you get frustrated when that happens because those are I don't know how avoidable they are, but they're just they're annoying. Um, Kodai Senga, that starter for the Mets, the that they. He's a 30-year-old Japanese pitcher. Um, he had some issue with his right index finger. They're just taking it easy right there with him. You don't want to be dealing with those issues. Um, there is a, a weird little note I saw today. It was, uh, gosh, which game was it? Was it the... There was so much stuff going on today in the league. It was kind of, um, there's a guy to keep an, oh, um, Kyle Lewis for now the Diamondbacks. He's not with the Mariners anymore. He's been hitting this spring. And he was a guy that was once highly touted, right, and kind of fell out of favor. Part of that has to do with injuries. Part of that has to do with just not adjusting at the major league level consistently. And now he's got an opportunity to make a splash with a team that I think is a team to keep an eye on, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's be keeping an eye on stuff. 
as the weeks go on, you want to um, you want to know what's going on with your players. I have Jordan Walker in the league that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're not going to talk about him just yet. We're going to talk a little bit about catchers first. Um, that's the position that, even though maybe it doesn't feel like it, it's pretty straightforward. What you you don't want to reach on catchers. Um, there obviously are some very good hitting catchers, some very good power hitting catchers too. Uh, the top one is JT Real Muto. Real Muto. He's very talented. He does everything well. This guy can run well, too. He's an incredible defensive player. But from a fantasy standpoint, JT gives you probably the most upside for a catcher. And <clears throat> he's on a very good team, too. Um, the thing with catchers is I tend to run, too. Whether that's the right decision or not, I don't know what to tell you. That's just how I've kind of always done things. Uh, maybe because I haven't drafted high pick catchers, um, I usually do let that, I, I allow that position to leak a little bit. Um, if you're not, you know, JT is going, what, 45th pick right in there. So mid, late fourth round. After him, it's Dalton Varsho. And that's, you know, um, what, after, what, into the sixth round? Um, Salvador Perez. Uh, yeah, Salvi, I always thought he was way older. I think he's like 32. And then you remember when he came up with the Royals and they had all that success in what, 2013, 2014, 2015, I think is when they won the World Series. He was a really young guy, and that team was really young. And all those guys have gone on. Moustakis, Hosmer, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, um, Danny Duffy. They've all gone on to have really nice careers. Uh, Lorenzo Cain. Um, even they had Ben Zobrist, I think, on that, that championship team. But Salvador Perez has just proven to be someone that consistently can drive the ball. He's very talented. And now that they have MJ Melendez on that team, Salvi doesn't have to catch every day. He can be more, you know, a catcher for a pitcher that they want him to work with. And then MJ Melendez not only can play catcher, he's also an outfielder. And so Salvi can be a little bit more of a DH and just be out and, and allows him to be a little bit more stalwart in the lineup. Um, before him, I said Dalton Varsho. Dalton's with Toronto this year. So he goes from one domed stadium to another. The difference is he's with a much stronger lineup um, with the Toronto Blue Jays. This fourth guy I'm going to say, Will Smith, that's another strong lineup. And Will Smith is a very good catcher. They also have Austin Barnes there. So now that the DH has been in, you know, will continue to be in the National League, I don't know how much they'll DH will. Their defense or their lineups are quite a bit different this year. So, and then with um, Gavin Lux getting hurt, it's hard to say who's going to get that DH role a lot for them. Not to say Gavin Lux is going to get that, but it's just, it changes the dynamics of the lineup. Um, 
Number five, Adley Rutschman. He's going around 87th pick. So there's five catchers that are under, you know, or before the 100th pick, right? So five catchers that are considered, I guess you'd consider that your tier one. Now, Adley Rutschman could potentially be end up being the best hitting catcher on this list just because he is so talented and he's a very young, up-and-coming prospect. He's Yes, he's a catcher. Yes, he's, you know, treated that way by the organization, but this guy can hit. And, and that's what they see him for is a guy that's great working with the staff and can really hit the ball. Now, this Baltimore team, there's a lot of question marks. I know that a lot of people think that you listen to even MLB Network, they did a deal on Baltimore. You can tell they're high on Baltimore. You can tell when they were at camp, they like the players. They like these personalities they have there. They like, um, you know, the big mountain, that, that large reliever they have. I can't think of his name right now. They call him the Mountain, though, and uh, the Baltimore Mountain or whatever. They got some personalities. They got some fun guys to cheer for. And they're in the AL East where Baltimore is continually the underdog. And, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of things, I think, to keep an eye on in Baltimore. And Adley Rutschman could be really a big part of that offense if they can really cook this year again and just take another step forward. Now, once we get out of that top 100 spots in the average draft position, and mind you, I, I, I want, want to reiterate, we go off of the Yahoo list um, and kind of where things are falling. I could go to Fantasy Pros and pull up. You know, they have it for lots of different leagues. I like to stick to Yahoo. It's just what I'm comfortable with and what I'm familiar with. If that doesn't jive with the league you have, let me know. I, I would be more than willing to talk about that, and especially if it's quite a bit different. But we're still seeing things fall in line, and especially catchers. There's not a hot, whole lot of deviation. Like Catcher rank, the way that Yahoo has them ranked and the way they're getting drafted, is pretty spot on. There's not a whole lot of sway from the top ten. Um, one guy that is um, gets drafted better than his rank is uh, Jose Trevino, uh, catcher for the Yankees. He's going at about, oh, pick 226, but um, he's ranked. He's ranked catcher 24, but he's getting drafted. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, number 14. So he's getting drafted as catcher 14. Yahoo had him ranked catcher 24. Something to think about. People are seeing something. Maybe this spring, whatever. They're seeing something in Jose. And that's showing up. Um, and part of that might just be team. Remember, the Yankees carry weight just by themselves. Um, so yeah, top five, JT Realmuto. Dalton Varsho, Salvador Perez, Will Smith, Adley Rutschman. I think you'd be lucky to have any of those guys. I personally don't draft those that high for catcher. I'm not saying that that's that you shouldn't. My brother uh, just told me he took Real Muto, and 
boy, I don't think any you'd be mad at that. He's just such a good player. That's kind of the end of the day thing to look back on is JT is a great player on a great team. And uh, yeah. Um, now we're going to get out of the... I'll tell you who I drafted, actually. I drafted William Contreras. He's catcher for Milwaukee. I think he hit like 20 homers last year. I like him on that squad. Um, Kybert Ruiz, catcher for the Washington Nationals. He just signed a contract um, extension. Uh, he got an eight-year, $50 million deal. Club options for 2031 and 2032. It was a big deal. Washington's in a rebuild. You know, they got rid of Soto last year. They got Joy Manessis up now. They got C.J. Abrams from that deal. Um, you have, uh, obviously, then Kybert Ruiz at your catcher. He's, he's a very good... Uh, he wasn't showing so much power last year, but he's a pretty good average catcher. He, he's, he's got a nice bat. And he was pretty, he was kind of on that watch list last year for people like, hey, guys to look out for. Well, I think William, can, or I'm, I'm sorry, I think Kybert Ruiz is a guy to keep an eye on. He's not going to probably hit 20 home runs. I'm expecting 10 from him. But uh, just like anything, any position, what are your expectations of it? Catcher, you're, you know, these guys don't play 162 games. Some of them, if they're if they're tr- like really like a part time catcher and they are DH a lot of the time, then maybe you get more games than the traditional catcher. But set expectations, and in t- what I want from catcher usually is some pop. You know, I don't know if you should be looking to catchers for average, but if you get that, I feel like that is a bonus. Um, if you're having a if you have a team that doesn't maybe hit as for high average collectively when you look at it, if you have a catcher that can hit for average, well then sure. But in my opinion, you should be shooting for, you know, a 15 to 20 home run catcher. And if you get more, that's great, of course. Uh, another guy to look at is Christian Vasquez for the Twins. Um, he's eligible at first base as well on Yahoo leagues. Um, just like Dalton Varsho is eligible outfield and MJ Melendez for the Royals is eligible in outfield. A catcher that can, in a pinch, play a different position for you or slot in for a different spot for you on your team, if injuries happen, can be very valuable. You can go just get a, you can punt at catcher and just be like, I need a guy that's going to play every day, get some hits here and there. He's on a hot streak, throw a Christian at first base while Freddie Freeman's hurt, yada, yada, yada. That can be pretty valuable if you don't have that on your bench, any sort of depth at catcher and, or I mean, at first base or any like position like that, you know. Um, depends on what you want to hold for bench spots. Um, but there's not a whole lot, I don't think, to say. You, you're going you're gonna to have those catchers that get drafted before pick 100. You have some that get drafted before pick 200. That's your Wilson Contreras, MJ Melendez, Alejandro Kirk. William Contreras, Tyler Stevenson, and Sean Murphy. Those guys are getting drafted before pick 200. The one that's really interesting there is Sean Murphy's going 178, and Sean Murphy's a very good player. He's going to a team that's a much better offense. Last year he hit 250, 
18 home runs, 66 RBIs, and scored nine or 67. I'm sorry, 66 RBIs and scored 67 runs. He was on Oakland's team. Now he's going to play for that Atlanta Braves. That's a pretty big deal. And I know people are mad, like, oh, here we go, Oakland tanking again, you know, getting rid of their good players. That's true. But we're caring about fantasy baseball right now. We're caring about we're caring about what Sean Murphy's gonna do this year for the Atlanta Braves, and I think it's big. I think it's potentially very big from the catcher position. And I said he was getting drafted on Yahoo, average of 178. Um, let's see here. I want to look up something. Sean Murphy. I want to see what Fangraphs is is estimating his 2023 season is going to be. So this is an estimate. Now remember, kind of with their projections, their the the Fangraphs projections. There's other projection systems. I encourage you to look into them. Uh, but what we're going to focus on right now is what Fangraphs is saying. And they're actually projecting him for 22 homers this year. You know, and they're going to keep that average the same, slugging a little bit higher, and they're bumping his WOBA, sticking with the same on-base percentage, and even dropping his war just because he's... Maybe there's just like a bit of um, regression in certain things because he's not with Oakland, but I don't know, he's on a better team, and these are pretty tame projections, but they are projecting him for over 20 home runs. I think that's a big deal when you look at the catcher position. Sean Murphy, he's kind of my guy. You should be circling. If you don't want to take a catcher high, I don't see why you would mind taking him pick 178. I mean, that's what, 14th, 15th round, something like that? Come on. You have a, you're, you know what your lineup's kind of looking like at that point. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more, I think, next week. But we still have to talk about outfielders. We're going to do that next week. But then I want to start digging into um, just the pacing of a draft. We are going to talk about that a little bit right now. I don't want to talk about catchers too much because I feel like that's – I feel like I kind of stated it. You want 15 to 20 home runs, in my opinion. You want them to play at least 110 games, 120 games. I think personally that's why I always keep a backup catcher around just if I want to have, like if I'm trying to amp up stats for the week and I'm trying to get as many at-bats as possible, that's the other thing you have to figure out. How 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 many, are you, are you a daily lock league? Are you a weekly lock league? How many at-bats do you want? I mean, you have minimum at-bats you have to get. I don't know, there's a lot of little factors. And these are things that you have to kind of develop for yourself. And if you're new to it, then I'm just telling you what I know. I keep a backup catcher a lot of times. And I try to make sure that that catcher position always has someone starting there if I'm on a daily lock league. Which means before the games start, which, you know, there's early games and late games depending on the day. But a lot of times games, you know, in the central, uh, central time zone, our game started around, you know, typically, like Twins games start at 7 o'clock. Now they're kind of moving it more to 6 o'clock sometimes before summer hits. But then, like, here you get games like the Cubbies. They play a lot of early games. 
So the Cubs might be playing at 12. And if they have a travel day, you can see that see teams play a lot of noon games or even 11 o'clock games if they're playing in the East Coast. And that's I'm talking about here. So 11 a.m. I have to have my roster perhaps ready to go, at least if I have some early guys that I want to play. Now, do you want to constantly have guys playing in a, a position, make sure you have a, as full of a roster every day as you can? Or have you gotten off to a hot start and you want to just keep in the guys that are hot and you want to avoid playing guys that are cold? These are the things daily that you need to be looking at. Now, if you're doing a weekly lock league, that's a whole different beast, and that's something we're going to talk about in the future. But uh, it's just things to be thinking about when you're drafting your team. Now, I wanted to go to the draft results for my league. And the biggest thing I saw, I told this to um, a friend of mine and my brother, that I was shocked at how much people were reaching on starting pitching and even relief pitching. Um, And when I see relief pitching, primarily closers. Um, I had the fourth overall pick, so that means in a traditional snake draft, I have the fourth pick in the first round, and in the second round, I have the ninth pick. So then it, it, it snakes that way, and then round three, fourth, round four, ninth, you, you get the idea. So the way I look at that is I, and I think a lot of people are like this, If you like I have a pick that's in the top half of the draft, I am going to pick, and then I have to wait longer to get to mine and then I'll have two picks kind of closer together so I have to I look at picks not round around but in in two at a time almost and I took Ronald Acuna fourth uh, Trey Turner went first in a league Aaron Judge went second Jose Ramirez went third Ronald Acuna fourth Julio Rodriguez fifth Kyle Tucker sixth Mookie Betts seventh Vlad Guerrero Jr. 8th, Juan Soto 9th, Jordan Alvarez 10th, Manny Machado 11th, and Freddie Freeman 12th. Now that's to give you an idea of how the first round went, of who's going top 12, who's first round picks. Is this the same for every league? No, it is not, of course. First pitcher off the board was Corbin Burns with the 16th overall pick. Um, We also then, someone took Garrett Cole two picks after that. I think Garrett Cole is the better pick this year. I know that, and I just think that's because Corbin Burns is miffed right now, and I'm not sure how he's going to play with kind of maybe how he was treated by this organization. Not that he's going to do bad on purpose, but was that due to a guy mentally? Garrett Cole, I feel like it's a step forward for him. He's going to have a little bit better year this year. He could end up being the best pitcher to take. Um, also in the second round, Edwin Diaz, a closer, went with the 19th pick. And then Spencer Strider went, the tw- went with the 24th. So there was four pitchers taken in the second round. Is that a bad thing? No. But I don't understand. I don't know. It, it's really strange to me. I get it, like, for that 12th pick in the second round, you're the last pick, because they're picking first in the third round. So they know it's going to be a while after these two picks until they get to pick again. It's going to be, what, end of the fourth round until they get to pick. So they have a pick at the end of the second, beginning of the first, or beginning of the third. And then you don't pick again until the end of the fourth. So I'm sure they're like, well, I need to grab the best pitcher on the board for my team 
if they wanted someone there. I didn't take a pitcher until the fourth round. So with the um, 45th pick, I took Julio Urias. Uh, I think that's how you say it, for the Dodgers. I really like him. I had my eye on him last year. Missed out. He ended up having, what, a 17-win year, which is crazy this day and age. Um, but, yeah, uh, one, two, three, four closers were taken in the first four rounds. I'll be honest with you. I think that's – I don't get that. If you feel like you need to have the best closers in baseball on your team, go for it. If that's part of your game plan, that's great. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, the closer position is not as locked as it used to be. Um, I understand guys like Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Classe. I get that. They are locked down, great relief pitchers. But in the third round... So, like, the guy who took Class A in the third round, 12th pick, so the 36th overall pick, he took Freddie Freeman, first round, Shohei Otani, the batter, in the second round, and then takes a relief pitcher in the third round. And then takes Shohei Otani, the pitcher, in the fourth round. It's got to be one of the weirdest draft moves I've seen. And then I want to stick with this guy. Then he takes Ryan Presley in the fifth round and Rizal Iglesias in the sixth round. Ryan Presley and Rizal Iglesias are both closers as well. What is going on? Then they take Tristan McKenzie in the seventh and another relief pitcher in the eighth round. And they were there. They were there. They were, everybody was at, in that, that draft. Like nobody was, was away from the draft board. They were there. It was a very active draft. Very, it moved really well. I was, I was pretty happy with it. I saw a guy do this last year and I don't know what was going on with this guy. This guy went so pitcher heavy and the other crazy thing about this dude is he's not running a catcher. He literally has no one in the catcher spot. So he went super heavy on pitching. And he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight relief pitchers. Out of those eight, um, one, two, three, four, five, six of those guys are closers. But I've seen people do this. This is a strategy. It's not like it's, I know I'm laughing at it a bit, but the thing about these guys, what relief pitchers do is they keep your whip down a lot of times. They keep your whip down. They get you, um, and then what they do a lot of times is they get you consistent strikeouts throughout the week. Because some of these guys are pitching multiple times a week, of course, so they're getting the amount of strikeouts per week sometimes that a starter will get if he just has one start within that seven-day stretch. It is an interesting strategy, and the part where he's running no catcher, 
I don't know what to tell you, but they are a platinum player. So this is not some new player. I I found this fascinating. I think that their lineup's a little weak. It's um, it's not bad though. He's playing on a lot of upside and a lot of potential health. Like, so he's got uh, Freddie Freeman, Jeff McNeil, Anthony Rendon, Wander Franco, Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Oswaldo Cabrera for the Yankees, Shohei Otani, and CJ Crone. So Chris Bryant, of course, did not play as much last year as people thought. He did hit 306 when he was healthy. Anthony Rendon only had 166 at bats last year, I believe. Um, it's just a weird deal. But this is a thing. I don't know if you're part of this, if there's something you do. I saw a guy get, he got um, third place last year in my league when he went heavy pitching. And when I say heavy pitching, I mean like a lot of relievers too. And it's an interesting strategy. They just really, when it got to the end of the season, they just ran out of gas. They they were playing as the first place team most of the year. But they drafted a little bit better on that lineup, I felt like. And they had were really fortunate in waivers. So I ended up with Jordan Walker on my team. Jordan Walker, of course, is not guaranteed to start the season with the with the Cardinals. I went with um I pretty much stuck to my game plan. The one thing I was telling my buddy is I got away from my game plan a little bit was I took Francisco Lindor in the third round. And I was a little mad about it because I didn't really, if I want a shortstop, I want it earlier than that. And then if I, I just, I'm not sure about Francisco and that's kind of part of it. But I took uh, some pretty reliable guys. I'm pretty excited about the upside of my team, the potential. Um, I, I took a lot of, what I consider our value starters, um, guys that are overlooked. They're on mid-tier to upper-tier teams. I take I like to take starters that are on winning teams or on teams that are starting to compete a lot more. Um, and then I take relievers for contending teams. So I, I don't take too many relievers. I might have to pick up one more. I'm just running two right now. You just know that when you're when I face that guy that's heavy on pitching, I just know that I'm probably going to lose in the saves. I'll probably lose in the whip. Now, where I should beat him is everything else. I believe I have a much better lineup. But you better hope your team's playing good because he's going to ambush you. When he's loading up to almost what, what that person's doing is they're guaranteeing stats. They're saying, I guarantee that every week I should just about win saves. Every week I should just about win whip, potentially strikeouts, and then hope that I'm good enough at um, the waiver wire and picking up guys as the season goes on, and I can drop some of these pitchers because I have so many. I can I can drop some if any guys get hurt or just put them on the IL, and I can always make sure I am – staying in line offensively just from the waiver wire. It's an interesting strategy. I don't recommend it unless you really are firmly into it and kind of have a, a good game plan. I thought it was interesting. I don't like it uh, personally, 
It's not my style, but it doesn't mean it's bad. And what happens when someone starts drafting like that, it starts to make other people that maybe are maybe not as seasoned of drafters or they're they're like good enough to where they're they're like 500 players. They every year they can kind of be middle of the pack. Once in a while they get um, they do okay in the playoffs, something like that. What happens when someone drafts like that is it starts making people think, wait a second, am I missing something? Am I supposed to be taking a starter right now? Am I supposed to be taking a reliever right now? Wait, is that player that good? Because some of these guys are going way, uh, I mean, high. So this person had a game plan. They knew who they wanted. And then, of course, everybody has pet guys. Like they, they, There are pet players that you have that you were like, I need this guy on my team. I love what he brings to the table. For me personally, I had mentioned just them, some of them to you early on. I I did not take Dansby Swanson in this draft. That was kind of where I got mad at myself. I'm like, why am I taking Francisco Lindor third round? It was a weird spot, though, right? So someone took Sandy Alcantara pick before me. They took Nolan Arenado, the pick before that, and Paul Goldschmidt, the one before that. Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Alcantara were all on my watch list. So all three of these guys get taken, right? And the guys that are like, kind of falling in line to where, you know, the value at this part in the draft is Lindor, Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, Marcus Semyon, um, Justin Verlander, guys like that. And I I didn't want Verlander this year. I don't want Marcus Semyon. I don't want Fernando Tatis. Not that they're bad players. I just, they don't fit my game plan. And for me, this is where I get stuck is I don't like these first few rounds. I, I I want to take the best value and the best consistent players or the most consistent players. And then once round six hits, that's where I think I can outdraft, you know, um, the most, most of the teams. I feel like I'm going to be right there with the, the teams that get to the playoffs. I think it's, it's done in these rounds sixth and later. And then also being good with the waiver wire. And I have a pretty good track record with that. So sixth round comes around. I get Framber Valdez, right? So I, I get him uh, 69th pick. Framber Valdez is one of the best pitchers in the majors last year. He went after... You know, like I said earlier, uh, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Spencer Strider, Sandy Alcantara, Aaron Nola, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Shane McClanahan, Shohei Otani, Brendan Woodruff, Dylan Cease, Julio Urias, Shane Bieber, Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon, Zach Wheeler, Christian Javier, Hugh Darvish, Max Freed. Luis Castillo, who I wanted, next pick was me, so I took Framber Valdez. That was an easy take for me. I knew it was either Castillo or Valdez. I thought I could take Castillo, go Valdez the next round. Next round, I ended up taking Corbin Carroll, actually. Because Castillo was gone, then I pivoted. I went from taking back-to-back starters to Valdez, then going to outfield depth and upside with Corbin Carroll. So 
Then I went on a little bit of a streak of taking young, talented guys. So I took Corbin Carroll in seventh. Eighth round, I took Gunnar Henderson for the Orioles. Finney Pascatino uh, took him in the ninth round. Um, George Kirby in the tenth. Um, Alexis Diaz in the eleventh. Um, so I took a lot of young, young, maybe unproven guys <laughs> on a run. But I just think that they're set up to really do well, especially Vinny Pascantino. I mean, that's getting him in the ninth round seems wild to me. Now, my my favorite round is round 23, the last round. Because this is where you get to just throw a dart. And what did I do? I took power. I was looking at my the guys I drafted. I looked at my lineup, and I was like, you know what I need? This is what you do. You you assess your roster. Then you, I think, either take someone who's a big sleeper, just someone that you know you want that you don't want anybody to have, even if they're not going to start the year in the big leagues. You take them right there. You don't let anybody else get a shot at them. You just stash them, right? Or you take us something to fill a need. What is my team lacking? I'm going to try to get it here. And it could be one. Of, it could be the worst pick on your team. I took Joey Gallo. I knew I needed more power. I knew I needed another outfielder uh, for depth, and so I took Joey Gallo. And and that's that's exactly my mindset. Pick or round twenty two. I took Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck could end up starting the season and then keep that starting job for the Red Sox. I believe in Tanner Houck. If you've watched him pitch, you know he has something. Special, 21st round, I got Sonny Gray. That's stupid. How am I getting Sonny when he went eight wins last year, 3.08 ERA, 117 Ks, only 36 walks? I I just don't get it. He had 24 starts. Obviously, you want 30 starts out of a guy, but my goodness, was he effective when he was healthy. And this year, he looks even better. His velocity's up. This guy's a stinking bulldog on the mound. Got him in the 21st round. Kidding me? Anyway, <laughs> that's me kind of just uh, giving you a little bit of an idea of what our league was like with the draft. Like I said, there was a lot of reaching on pitching, not just from the one team I, I mentioned. Uh, I got another draft, I think, end of this week, uh, Dynasty League. And that'll be a totally different deal. That'll I, I have 26 guys I'm keeping. So you're going to only see, I'm going to have like three draft picks. And uh, then I'll have another t- traditional draft coming up um, in about two weeks. A little under two weeks. So I'll kind of just give you a little bit smaller recaps on that. But I did want to tell you what was going on here. And I just want to give you a little bit of my thought process on that last pick and uh, yeah those first three rounds first four rounds I'm really looking best value at that position it's kind of like the thing in the NFL draft if you ever follow the NFL draft you big into that a lot of times if you don't have a set guy that you want as an organization you're going to take the best available they say take the best talent out there talent and that like the best value guy that you think is going to add something as a professional even if that spot's maybe blocked for the time being, it's hard to think that they won't somehow contribute to your to your roster, especially the way injuries are. 
So in this, I would just take the best talent I can, the guys who are going to do everything pretty much well. Uh, you don't have to take one-dimensional guys in those first few rounds. That's why I don't understand taking starters that early, but what do I know? <laughs> uh yeah, I think um, I, I'm like two points from platinum. So there were some platinum players in this draft. I'm I'm a goldie. I'm a kind of a sharp gold player. I feel like just because I don't play tons of leagues, um, I try to keep it so I can keep my focus. I know some people will run 50 in a season. I don't get that. I don't have that time to manage 50 leagues. And I want to focus and understand what I'm working toward. Because throwing a bunch of darts at the board, I hope you hit a bullseye. That's the plan. But I, I think if you're a good enough player and you're paying attention to what's happening in two or three leagues or even one, you should start getting bullseyes because you are doing the work in those leagues. So hopefully this helped you some. If you have any questions, please reach out to me at Adam for Baseball on Twitter. Um, otherwise, I think there's a way for you to contact me through uh, Spotify or even Apple podcasts um just want to thank you for listening and hanging out and i hope you have a wonderful week thanks